Hello everyone, this is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 14 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how are you doing? I'm good, Joey. How are you? Very good, very good. For the first time ever, we're also joined by a second panellist. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sophia Di Stefano. Welcome to the show, Sophia. Hi, Jerry. How are you doing? You okay? Very good, very good, yes. All right, now we're going to get straight into part one of this show. When I say part one, I'm actually referring to this particular show. Um, many other shows we do has got two parts to it, part one and part two. Part one, where we review the fights from last week. Because there's nothing to preview in part two, there is just going to be the part one. So it should be a pretty... There shouldn't be much talking about fights that have happened and fights that are coming up. It's going to mainly be just this little recap that we do for last weekend, including obviously the Billy Joe Saunders and Andy Lee fight and a few others. And apart from that, we'll just move straight into a few juicy interviews we've got lined up for you this week. So I'm going to start by mentioning a card that took place in Finland. It's just one one card I want to announce the the, the, the result. Robert Hellanius fought for the vacant EBU heavyweight title. Franz Real jumped in for Erkan Tepper. Erkan Tepper pulled out of that fight. Robert Hellanius picked up the win after 12 rounds, unanimous decision. So Robert Hellanius now 22-0. and It'd be interesting to see you know, what type of fights he's in in the near future. His opponent, Franz Real, was down in the first round and the fourth round. He was actually unbeaten going into this fight. He was 11-0, and but now he's got the one blemish, so 11-1. and Now we're going to go over to the big card in England, of course, the massive um, Battle of the Travellers. Billy Joe Saunders took on Andy Lee, or should I say Andy Lee took on Billy Joe Saunders. It was a really highly anticipated bout but Billy Joe got the win. This was unanimously again. Well, I say unanimously. Sorry, it wasn't unanimously. One judge gave it a draw. Two judges gave it to Billy Joe Saunders. So again, Billy Joe picks up that WBO middleweight title from Andy Lee. Andy Lee was put down twice in the third round. If anybody was going to be getting put down, we all thought it was going to probably be Billy Joe. But Billy Joe managed to pull out those big punches. Again, a lot of people say that he hasn't got much power in those hands, but he really proved a lot of people otherwise, and it was a massive win for him. Ayaz, what did you think of that fight? I think it was a very good fight. Obviously, Billy Joe knocked down Andy Lee twice in the third round, and he shocked a lot of people as well. Before the fight, I thought Andy Lee was going to win, but then... Suddenly, my mind changed, and when Billy went, when I was watching the fight, I go, "Wow, the way Billy Joe uh, uh, was fighting, and uh, there, was a, there was a way he's going to win the fight." And to be honest, he's a very good fighter, and wow, what he did on Saturday, he's a world champion. That's it, and that's what he's, you know, that's what he's wanted to do since he was, since he was a young. And now there's a lot of big fights set out now for Billy Joe Saunders. Sophia, what type of fights would you like to see Billy Joe in in the near future? Um, well, I would say, obviously, a very exciting fight further down the line is um, potentially the clash between him, well, the rematch, should I say, against Chris Eubank Jr. Because after 
Chris's impressive win against Carrie Spiker Sullivan uh, on the O2 show, he now becomes mandatory challenger to face Daniel Jacobs for the WBA middleweight title. Um, and assuming he gets past that, and they're saying that could potentially be a fight sort of April time, uh, what a great fight down the line as a British um, middleweight title to unify um, the division between, I think it's the WBC and the WBA belt. So, and also, you know, I interviewed uh, Chris a few weeks ago, obviously in the build-up to the O2 show, and hotly on his mind was to get that rematch on and avenge that only loss on his record, which is obviously the only loss on his and Gary Spiker Sullivan's record. Um, and he's, you know, there's, there's bitter rivals. It's not, it's not sort of like a build-up for, um, uh, you know, a fight. They genuinely really do dislike each other. So I think what an amazing fight that would be further down the line um, to unify the two belts. Absolutely. Um, providing that doesn't happen for a while, providing um, Chris Eubank Jr. doesn't end up fighting for the British title, I forgot the guy he's supposed to be fighting. I forgot his name, it's just slipped my mind. Who is it again he's supposed to be fighting? Nick Blackwell, that's it. Yeah, so basically, yeah, 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 yeah. providing he doesn't fight Nick Blackwell and he goes straight into a fight with Danny Jacobs, how do you see that one playing out, Sophia? route but I judging by his sort of attitude and where his headspace was at for Shebank Juniors I think he wants to go straight into sort of big world title fights and I think I mean I know uh, Daniel Jacobs was it was an impressive win over Peter Quillen but I think Chris Shebank Jr. has got a very good chance of beating uh, Daniel Jacobs I just I was very impressed with his performance uh, like I said at the O2 He's got a new trainer, Adam Booth. I think that's a very, very good and dangerous combination. Um, ironically, obviously, uh, Adam Booth is also Andy Lee's trainer. Um, but I think, you know, as we all said, style make fight. Um, and I think uh, the relationship between him and Adam Booth will be a very, very successful one. So I see him getting past Daniel Jacobs. And like I said, uh, and then, oh, I mean, that division is so exciting. I think, obviously, you've got Golovkin at the top of the tree. But there's no reason to say, you know, our British fighters couldn't, you know, at some point in maybe the next like, 12 months start start competing uh, against the likes of Golovkin. Yeah, absolutely. Like I say, a lot of bouts in the future to look forward to in that division. It is really hotting up. I'm going to move down that bill. Liam Smith defended his WBO World Super Welterweight title. Again, that's also the light middleweight title, the 154 title. Uh, he fought and, and, and also, a big shout-out shout to the Smith brothers. What, yeah, absolutely. What, you know, breaking records. I think they're, they're the, one of the nicest families as well. Uh, and I'm so pleased that they're all doing so well. I really am. Excellent. All right, I'll carry on with the result if that's all right. <laughs> yeah, you crack on. <laughs> okay, yeah, so Liam Smith successfully defended his WBO title with 154 belt. Liam Smith was 21 and 0 with the one draw going into this belt. He's now 22 and 0 with the one draw. He picked up a 7th round TKO victory over Jimmy Kelly. Now Jimmy Kelly was 15 and 0, sorry, 16 and 0. He was now he's 16 and 1. Uh, he had two points deducted Kelly in the 6th round for a very blatant headbutt. To be honest, I think the referee would have been. I wouldn't have had no problems with his decision if he, you know, if he disqualified him there and then. But again, a good victory for Liam Smith. That's his first defence of his title, and it was a successful one. So, props to him. 
Also on that card, Liam Williams, he's the guy who said that he, he was told he was never going to be able to box again. He had bad hand injuries. He moved to 13-0. and 0. Uh, That was for the vacant British super welterweight. Again, the 154 title and the Commonwealth. His opponent, Castlaw, was down in the first and second round. And ultimately, he got the stoppage in the second round. Moving down that bill, former world champion, Mr. Paul Butler. He picked up a sixth round TKO victory. This was for the vacant WBO European super flyweight title. His opponent was down prior to the stoppage. And it was stopped in the sixth. So Paul Butler now 20 wins and the one loss. Of course, that was to Tete, which is quite interesting because this week Frank Warren has signed Zelani Tete. So he must have some sort of rematch plans in the future. Uh, moving down again, Jack Catterall moved to 14 and oh, that was for the WBO Intercontinental Super Lightweight title. Tommy Langford moved to 15 and oh with a TKO in the fifth round. His opponent was down twice in the fourth. Uh, Tom Stalker, another tough, tough, tough decision for Tom Stalker. He seems to be on the bad end of decisions sometimes. He seems to have kind of hit a brick wall now with his pro career. He was a really good amateur, but his pro career really took a long time to kick off. He picks up another draw with the same opponent. He got a draw with this guy before, Mr. Craig Evans. So Tom Stalker's new record, 10 wins, 1 loss, and 3 draws. So these, these two guys have fought each other twice now. Both times it's come to a draw. I think we may see a trilogy. It's quite a good fight when those guys get together. That was for the vacant WBO European lightweight title. Also, there was a big upset on that bill. Mitchell Smith got completely upset in a bad way by George Jupp. Mitchell Smith was going into this fight talking a lot before the fight. George Jupp was his former sparring partner. I think Mitchell Smith thought he was going to probably get an easy knockout. And to be honest, he was he was loading up the whole fight. He wasn't really boxing well. He was just trying to throw that big punch and it just wasn't working for him. So Mitchell Smith, the one blemish on his record now, 13-1. and one. And George Jupp... Well, he's now 13-2, and two, and he's now the new WBO Intercontinental Super Featherweight Champion. Vijender Singh was also on the bill. He moved to 3-0. He got a nice little stoppage in the second round. Uh, also on that bill, Joe Selkirk moved to 14-0, and and Anthony Yard moved to 4-0. and I'm going to move over to one last bill now. Like I said, it wasn't that much on last weekend. I'm going to move over to the bill in New York. Luis Ortiz, the Cuban Southpaw heavyweight, he faced off against Brian Jennings. I personally thought that Luis Ortiz would be all wrong for Jennings purely because he was a Southpaw. I don't think Jennings deals very well with Southpaws, to be honest. I think he had a lot of trouble with Mike Perez. I think Mike Perez is a lot lazier, a lot slower than Luis Ortiz. And Luis Ortiz got the TKO in the seventh round. This was for the interim WBA World Heavyweight title that Ortiz held before this. So it was another opportunity for Bryant Jennings. But Bryant Jennings, like, like I say, he got stopped in the in the seventh round. So Luis Ortiz now moves to 24-0. and 0. Did you see his fight at all, Ayaz? It was a pretty hefty knockout. Yeah, I watched this fight. Um, Bryant Jennings obviously uh, lost on this in the seventh round. What do you call it? Luis Ortiz is a very, very good fighter. I, him personally, I can see him um, fight the likes of Tyson Fury or like Deontay Wilder in the future. Okay, and how do you how do you see that fight? Those two fights playing out if they did take place. I see Fury beating Luis Ortiz, but I don't know about Deontay Wilder. Fair enough. That would be a good fight, actually. I'd like to see that. But again, he's going down that WBA route, Luis mm -hmm. Ortiz. 
and that's a belt that Tyson Fury currently holds. So perhaps we could see that. But again, I think Tyson Fury's got a few mandatories to take care of. But again, that's if he gets past Klitschko in the rematch. Well, Bryant Jennings has now got a record of 19-2. and two. So yeah, we're going to move down that bill. The hard-hitting Jamaican, very exciting fighter, Nicholas Walters. He was 26-0 going into this fight. He faced off against Jason Sosa. This went to a majority draw. So two judges gave it a draw. And one judge, I'm not sure which way he had it going, but it's gone to to a draw basically because they outweighed what the other judge saw in the fight so Nicholas Walters 26 wins zero losses and one draw so it's his first blemish on his record and a lot of people are saying it's a bit harsh that decision on Nicholas Walters but I didn't actually see that fight I confess to that one but again Nicholas Walters really really good fighter and I want him to you know get over this and maybe even avenge the draw maybe even beat this guy because I think he definitely by the sounds of what I heard, he was dealing with him pretty easy. I don't know what the judges saw, but again, like I say, I didn't see the fight, so I don't want to comment too much on it or criticise too much on it. Moving down that bill, Joshua Clotty faced off against Gabriel Rosado. Gabriel Rosado picked up his 22nd professional win. He's got nine losses on his record as well. He beat Josh Clotty. Josh Clotty now about 39 years of age though, but again still has a really credible record. But Josh Clotty's new record, 39 wins, 5 losses. Gabriel Rosado won this fight unanimously after 10 rounds. Moving down that bill also, one last fight to mention, Uriorkis Gamboa. He was out the ring for about a year, you know, since we've seen him. So he's been out the ring for a year. He's come back and he's won a unanimous decision after 10 rounds. This was at lightweight. So Gamboa now 25 wins and the one loss. He defeated Hillen Williams Jr., who only had one loss on his record himself. So it was a good win for Gamboa, and hopefully we see him back in the picture very soon. Now, that's all the fights that we had to review from last week. Was there any other pieces of news that you had, Ayaz, at all? No, there's not other news, basically. Okay, we can move into part two, unless Sophia has anything. Uh, no, I'm just uh, uh, looking forward to a Christmas break, and then obviously uh, gung-ho into... Uh... January and obviously the big fight is David Hay on January the 16th against Mark Demore, which I'm looking forward to. Yes, of David course. Hay back in action. Of course, yes. Like I say, we will we will be back for anybody that is listening. We will be back just before the Hay fight, so we'll be back. We'll announce it on Twitter, but we will be back with a show to to preview that fight. I just wanted to touch on. The fact that it's sort of come out this week, we haven't really had a chance to talk about it. George Groves now linking up with Shane McGuigan. Of course, that's now David Hayes' new trainer as well. So again, we saw um, Adam Booth. He was both training. He was training both David Hay and George Groves. They both left him. They both did their own thing, and now they're both with the same man again. But this time, it's Shane McGuigan. It just goes to show how much potential they see in this young trainer because he is relatively unknown in the training world you know I know that he's he trains world champion Carl Frampton but I didn't really know of him doing too much other stuff but again it just goes to show that these boxers can see little things and it's it's attracted them to working with him so I think that those link-ups will be quite interesting what what do you two guys think about that yeah definitely I, I interviewed David too sorry not you two guys one. you guy and <laughs> you girl sorry don't worry when I carry on talking about boxing I get I get categorized into the guys section. Um, so I, uh, yeah, I interviewed David two days ago and that was one of the questions I asked because I was quite interested um, to find out how the relationship came about with Shane McGregor. And as you say, he is 
you know, he's certainly coming up the ranks, but he's not a sort of a world-renowned trainer. But he just said, I saw what he was doing with Carl Frampton. I was really impressed with, you know, what he's done with him. Uh, he gave him a call. They had a good chat. And they just literally just hit it off straight away. And he just said, you know, the relationship's really blossomed well. The training's been great. He's been injury-free. And like you said, um, George Gross has, has linked up with him. So it's quite interesting to think those two boxers were with Adam Booth at one point, and now they're with the, you know, the same trainer. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think this is a platform now for Shane McGuigan to go on to be one of the most known trainers in the world, just yeah. purely for looking after these two fighters. Okay. Okay, that's it. That's all the reviewing done. That's all the reviewing done now. So we're going to bring on our first interview. This man is truly one of the brightest prospects in British boxing. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Andrew Selby. Andrew, welcome to the show. Yeah, hello. Pleasure being on you. Now, um, firstly, the first thing I want to ask you is, what has the transition been like for you, going from amateur to pro? Um, well, it's all, it's all a bit faster as amateurs, you know. You only get three rounds. And I'd done a bit of WSB where that was five rounds, and I thought that suited me better. So I thought it was time to turn professional. You've had a few fights in the amateurs, I know, against Cal Yafai. What's the relationship like between you guys now? Um, yeah, we, we don't see, see each other as often because um, I'm not up in Sheffield anymore with the GB team. But, yeah, we're cool. We start speaking stuff over the internet. Um, there's no hate between us or nothing. And we're different weights as professionals. He's doing really well at super flyweight. And I'm a weight below. Yes, of course. And there's been talks for a while now between... Uh, Yafai and Butler, if they ever got it on, how do you see that fight going, Andrew? Um, they met each other in the ABAs a few years back, and Yafai won quite comfortably. And I've, I think uh, Yafai would be a bit too strong for him as a professional. But it, it, it'd be a close fight. But I think Yafai would just about do it. And with only 13 boxers, including yourself, in the flyweight division in Britain... And uh, only nine at super flyweight. Do you see yourself in lots of fights against foreign opposition, perhaps in their backyards? Um, yeah, well, I fight anybody in my weight, and I don't mind travelling to fight. So um, they're trying to fast track me so I can get as many fights as possible to get straight up here for the world level. So I'm just waiting on my manager to sort it out now. And of course, you're you're rated at flyweight. But so far, you haven't weighed within the flyweight limit. You're just a bit heavier at the moment. Would you be moving up to super fly in the near future, or will you comfortably make fly? Um, well, I'm just weighing in on what they tell me to weigh in. And then when I get a title fighter, a flyweight, that's 112. And then I'll make it comfortably. And then hopefully win some titles and then eventually move up to super fly in Bantam. And who is your toughest opponent right now in the flyweight division? Uh, like I said, there's only yourself and 12 other guys, but who would you say would be your toughest fight out of all those guys? In Britain? From Britain, yeah. Um, I'm not too sure, but I think I'm in a final eliminator now against Ian Butcher. And then Charlie Edwards fights Luke Wilton in an eliminator. And then the, the two winners face each other, so... They'd be my toughest fights, and they're, they're the top rankings of Britain anyway. So, 
Okay, because, yeah, you're next out on February the 6th. Is that right? Well, um, I've, I've been told my final eliminators on January the 16th. Oh, okay. I um, may have it wrong. Well, it, it haven't been out on, like, it haven't been out published or anything, so we're, we're just still waiting for it to be confirmed because the other guy might pull out. And then if he pulls out, it'll definitely be on February the 6th. Okay, okay. If it was to be on January the 16th, do you know where that would likely take place? Like, uh, well, you know... We're just waiting on purse bids now, so... Okay. Hopefully, hopefully it'll be in Wales. Okay. So, yeah, because my next question was going to be, what sort of belt were you going to be trying to fight for, you know, your first belt? So it's going to be the British. Yeah, um, the boxing board has um, ordered it uh, for that four to fight in Eliminators, and then... We must. The winners must fight by the end of April. Okay, okay. Yeah, because I spoke to Charlie Edwards a couple of weeks back, and he speaks really highly of your talent. Uh, you know, he he said that you'd be the the toughest guy that he'd fight at flyweight as well. So yeah. Um. Yeah, um, yeah we've both met met in the amateurs. We sparred thousands of rounds in uh, Great Britain and up in Sheffield. So we know each other inside. That was just. The man of on a day, I think, and then experience goes to my to my way a bit, and then just hopefully, just I get the win if we do me. Absolutely. So um, I know that earlier this year you went out to America with your brother Lee. I know that you spent some time in the Outlaws Boxing Gym. How was that experience, Andrew? Did you get any sparring out there? If so, how good was the sparring? Yeah, it was unbelievable. Um, we went out there twice this year. And I was sparring some super bantamweight guy. He was fourteen and oh. And um it was really it was really tough. Like they, they come to knock you off, but I, I was having a better of him and he was a big prospect in America. So um I come back with my with my head held high because I'd done really well out there and and obviously I sparred other guys in um the Maywood boxing gym and um Freddie Roach's gym. And like I said, they, they all try and knock you out. But I, I was just too fast and too skillful for them. But I learned a lot out there. That's brilliant to get that to get that experience early on in the pro ranks. I know that you fought all around the country as an amateur anyway, but to be yeah. sparring those type of guys is it's invaluable, that, that type of experience. Um, so you, you perhaps may not want to call anyone out, but is there anyone that you would like to fight in the near future? Um... Kevin Satchel, but, but I would have wanted fighting for the European, but I heard he got stripped. Yeah. And apparently he's meant to be fighting some French guy for this, so if he wins, then hopefully we could get it on, because he had an interview saying he would happily fight me, so hopefully that could happen early 2016, after the British, maybe. Okay, okay. Now, what what do you want to achieve in 2016, just on your own career, like if you had a wish list for 2016, what would be on that wish list? Um, I've always wanted to win a British titles, like all my life since I was first started boxing. And then hopefully just fight for the world title if I win as a bonus. But I think if I get that chance to fight for it, I think um, I, I come away with the win. Excellent. Now, I know that your your birthday's on Christmas Day as well, so um, yeah. I want to wish you a happy birthday and Christmas in one. 
Yeah, thank you. Merry Christmas to you. Thank you. And um, yeah, and a good new year as well. So we look forward to seeing you fight, whether it's going to be in January or February. I'll look forward to, to seeing that and we'll be following your career closely here on the Box Hard podcast. Thank you very much, Andrew. Okay, cheers. Thank you for having me. Okay, now it's time for our second guest on this week's show. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the current IBF featherweight champion of the world, Lee Selby. Lee, welcome to the show, sir. Nice one. How are you doing? Very good, very good. It's a pleasure to have our first current world champion on the show. Thank you very much. Now, Lee, boxing is booming at the moment. After Billy Joe beating Andy Lee on Saturday, we now have 12 British world champions. How does it feel to be a part of that? It feels great to be a part of it. I think Britain's British boxing is at, at its highest it's ever been at the moment. We've never had a time where we've had 12 current world champions, so it's great to be a part of it. And your last time out, you fought a very, very crafty veteran, to be honest. Yeah. Four-time world champion, Fernando Montiel. Yeah. Now, you didn't have everything your own way that fight. Did you underestimate him at all, Lee? Um, I didn't underestimate him, no. A lot of people did, though, and a lot of a lot of people thought he was well past his best. But as we've seen in the past, those old veterans always pull pull something out the bag for their for their last their last big fights, which which that probably was is that was probably his last title title shot. And he he, he come he was in great shape and he, he give a great account of himself. And this may sound like a bit of a silly question, but what is your best win? Take away the title, take the title out of that. What was your best win, or was it the one where you beat beat Gradovich for the title? Obviously, the best win has to be winning the world title against Gradovich. Yeah, he, he was he was an established champion, making his fifth defense and his third man mandatory. So it, it shows what type of fighter he was. But other other than that fight, which which got me onto the world scene, I think. The, the next the next biggest fight for me would have had to be in the win over over Stephen Smith because that's when I when I broke out onto the British scene and the, the British public got to see me. My personal favourite win of yours, I really liked the win over Joel Brunker. Yeah, that was a really special win. I was there at that one. That was incredible. Yeah, it was, it was a good good boxing display. Again against against a good good fighter. I I made him look like a novice. Absolutely. Now. What type of guys would you like to fight in the near future? I know you're kind of past that British scene now, but yeah. is there anybody that you've got your eye on for for 2016? Um, well, t- towards the end of 2016, I, I want to be in. I want to be in a massive fight. I want to be in a fight with one one of the other champions, unification fight, either like Leo Santa Cruz or Gary Russell Jr. or, or like a big American name like Abner Abn- Myers, one of those one of those type of guys. Is there anyone you would prefer to fight out of those three? Probably Leo Santa Cruz, because he's the most well-known. He's a real established fighter. He's boxed on loads of Floyd Mayweather's undercard, so he's the most known, I think, most popular. So if I could get a win over him, that'd boost my career massively. Yeah, yeah, that's probably right. He's probably the biggest name out of those three. But yeah. in my personal opinion... I think your style would be all wrong for Gary Russell Jr. I think it would be a tough fight with his, with his hand speed. He's probably one of the fastest fastest punches in boxing at the moment. Oh, no. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he, of course. What I've seen, I've seen he's quite, he's quite small at the weight. And of course. And he suffers a lot with his hands. He, he gets hand problems. So it'd make an interesting fight. And he got one of the, one of the 
most renowned belt, the WBC title, which every boxer wants to win. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, now I've got a partner of mine on the call. His name's Ayaz. He's got a couple of questions for yeah. you. Okay. So I'm going to pass you over to him, Lee. Okay. Ayaz, if you bring yourself in. Hello, Lee. How are you doing? All right, I'm good, thank you. Would you consider taking on uh, Vasyl Lomachenko in the future? Yeah, most definitely. I, I, want, I want to be in, in, the, in the big fights. Mm-hmm. But he's, he, he'll probably end up pound for pound one of the, one of the best. Yeah, he was, he was pound for pound the best amateur at one time. And he, he, he holds a win over my younger brother. So it's always nice to get a bit, bit of revenge. So what was it like training in the wildcard gym with Freddie Roach? Um, it, it was a great experience. In the in in the wild guide, it's, it's sort of like a cat on my racket. You go in there, you give your weights, there's loads of hustle and bustle before you know it. Then you're, you're in the ring with with some unknown quantity of a fighter. You could be in with a world champion, or you could be in with a novice. You don't know what's gonna happen. So it's it, it could be a bit daunting for for some people, but you you gotta just rise to the occasion. And again, it's only a small gym. It's boiling hot. You're in that Los Angeles heat, so it's 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 high graft. There's always been saying that you could fight Josh Warrington and Ellen Road. Would you t- consider taking that fight? Yeah, I'd consider it. Like, I think my next fight will be the, the mandatory the mandatory defence, the mandatory challenge. So I'm going to get that one out of the way and then, then we'll have a look at the options. Mm-hmm. I, know that, I know that's one of the options for, for the summer, a big outdoor event in Leeds. But again, I'm, I'm looking for the, for the big fights out in America. So we'll see, see what, what's best for, at, at the time. And we'll go from there. Who wins in a fight, Rigonda or Lomachenko? Um, it's a tricky one. I, I'd probably have to go with Lomachenko, only due to, due to his size. He, he's he's the bigger fighter than Rigondo. Rigondo could probably make bantam with. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you, uh, Lee, and I'll pass you back to Joey. Okay, Lee, the last thing I'm going to ask you, I was going to say, what is your wish, wish list for 2016? But you kind of answered with yeah. the big fight at the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah. So... Um, of course, you're now world champion. Will there be any sort of homecoming in Wales? Well, ho- hopefully I can get my next fight in Wales because, like I said, then it's, it's a mandatory defence. And that, that's between an American and an Argentinian, the final eliminator. So I'll be fighting one of the winners. And so home, home advantage is all, all, always a bonus when it comes to a mandatory defence. I don't want to be going out to America defending against an American because you know what, what type of dodgy decisions have, has happened in the past so hopefully my next fight can, can be in Wales And how happy are you that Tyson Fury dethroned Vladimir Klitschko and brought all those heavyweight world titles back to UK? Very happy I, I'm, I'm a fan of Tyson Fury I'm one, one of the very few that, that backed him to win the title and I, I won a bit of money in the, in, in the bookies which is always a bonus but um <laughs> Yeah, I can't, I can't remember the last time Britain had a heavyweight champion. And the last thing I'll ask you, who is your favourite British boxer of all time? Um, what? Um, that's a tough one. I'd have to... What, current? No, no. Just um, retired, retired. Oh, that's a tricky one. I got a few. Obviously, a couple of the old... The old um, all Welsh fighters, Jimmy Wilde and all them. Joe Kalzaki. I just have to back off, back all the Welsh, all your Welsh <laughs> fighters. Okay, I like asking that one to everyone. We always seem to the the peop, the name that comes up the most is um, Prince Nassim. Everybody oh, yeah, says true. Prince, Prince Nassim. Prince Nassim as well, yeah. 
<laughs> I've, I've always been a fan of like the American fighters growing up, past and present fighters. That's, yeah. what, that's what I've always watched. I haven't really watched the, the British boxing growing up. That's why I really watch my style on all the Americans. So. Hey, it's all about Britain now, man. At the moment, yeah, taking over. <laughs> okay, Lee, it's been absolutely brilliant having you on the show. Thank you very yep. much for coming on. And we wish you and your brother the best of luck in 2016. Hopefully you can go on to be the most, well, the two most successful brothers in boxing. That's it. We're going to try our best to take all from the Klitschko's. Now they've both been beat. A little bit smaller, but absolutely. <laughs> a little bit smaller, a little bit better. <laughs> there we are. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much, Lee. Thanks, Take bro. it easy, friend. Thank you. Bye. Okay, now it's time for our third guest on this week's show. We're just rolling them in this week. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome challenger for the IBF heavyweight title on January the 16th, Mr. Charles Martin. Charles, welcome to the show, sir. I'm very good, very good. Now, you've got a massive fight coming up on the 16th of January, of course. Um, what do you know about your opponent, Charles? What, what have you looked at? What sort of stuff do you know about Glazkov? Um, he's, a, he's, a, he's a good fighter, you know. He keeps his hands up and, um, you know, throws combinations um, and, and, and has, has good willpower. You know, he's a, he's a good, good, well-rounded fighter, I'd say. Would you say he's your toughest opponent so far? Um, yeah, every every one of my opponents is my toughest opponent. You know, I I treat every fight like a world title fight. You know, even even my my prior fights. You know, and um, yeah, I just I just respect my opponents, and I um I I train my hardest for each and every fight, and I show up to each and every fight. You know, and I and I, and I make sure I'm in shape, and I just focus at focus on the task at hand, you know, every time, you know, I never overlook my opponent, you know, I never look past him and talk about unifying the belts or, or anything. It's, it's all about Glasgow right now, you know, um, and I have to, um, you know, come in and be the best, the best man on that night. You will probably know that Glasgow has been pretty lucky when it comes down to the judges' decisions, notably against Malik Scott, he got a draw in that fight, which a lot of people thought he clearly lost. Are you going to leave this fight up to the judges, or are you expecting a knockout, Charles? Because I know you've got 20 knockouts in 22 wins, so you're a big puncher. Do you reckon this one's going to go to a decision? Um, no, I don't, I don't like decision. I don't, in the heavyweight division, you're, you're not going to get a lot of um, recognition and and, you know, respect from, from the fans going the distance, you know. So, I'm, so I'm, I'm a firm believer of not leaving fights into the judges' hands because we're, we are heavyweight, and they, the fans want to see big guys knock each other out. They don't want to see two big guys going the distance like a Mayweather. So I'm not leaving anything in the judges, you know. Either either I'm gonna go out or he's gonna go out. Somebody's gonna go out. We're not we're not gonna go twelve rounds. We're not gonna you know, it's it's that's impossible. I don't see it ever. Okay. Never, never, never. Okay. Um now of course this, this IBF title that you're fighting for is vacant because the IBF stripped Tyson Fury. Um, what's your thoughts on that situation? What's your thoughts on that situation? Because a lot of people don't think it's very fair on Fury. Yeah, Fury's a good fighter. You know, I respect him for 
for what he went out and did on that night. And, you know, that's, that's greatness. He, he went down in the history books, you know, he, can't nobody ever take that away from him. You know, congrats to him again. And, um, yeah, it's just, I'm, I'm blessed to, to be that person in this position, you know, you know, to, to have, you know, gotten a vacant title shot, you know? So, I mean, it was kind of like a blessing in disguise with you as a person like me being that I'm fighting for it, you know, but, but in, in other in other you know eyes you know it's kind of messed up that that they that they did that to him you know I I don't think that they should have stripped him from it you know he he earned it but you know coming from Charles Martin Charles Martin has an idea of title shot now you know because of it so I'm I'm blessed that you know it happened I'm, I guess you know yeah I understand that um, now. Obviously, I'm from the UK. There's a lot of talk about David Hay returning. He fights on the same night as you on January the 16th over in London. Um, how do you how do you see his comeback? Do you think he will be able to rise to the top like he was at before, or do you think he'll find it hard after a three and a half year layoff? Yeah, he's he's fighting Mark 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 um Mark Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That you know that's. That's a cool fight to, you know, come back. You know, that's kind of like a, a, a tough fight to just come back in. You know, he hasn't fought in three years. Um, you know, he had that surgery and stuff on his shoulder. I, I don't know. David Hay, you know, he he, he, he has skills, though. I mean, he, he's he's a good fighter. <laughs> he, he's fast. You know, he, he knows how to utilize the ring and stuff like that. So, I mean, if he, if he still, if he hasn't lost that, that you know, that first step, you know, that, that he had, he he'd be all right, but you know, age age does play a play a factor in this sport. You know, so I don't I can't really speak for guys when they start you know getting getting up there in age. I, you know, I just have to check out the performance. You know, I'm from the Show Me State, so so I'm all about um you know you just just show me show me more than you than you tell me. You know, and, and, I, and, I, and I'll believe it. I'll believe it. And these days, you can't believe what you see either. So. <laughs> A lot yeah. of times, a lot of times, but but boxing, you know, it, it's real, man. It, it's it's real, and you know, when two guys get in there and, and and go at it, you know, may the best man win, you know, because that's that's all it is, man. Whoever trains the hardest, the, the better fighter, you know, the one that trains the hardest. Another thing I want to talk about: Are you a fan of the sport, Charles? Do you watch the sport as well as take part in it? Do you know all the top guys in your division? Yeah, yeah, I know, I know about everybody. Yeah, I'm, 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 a, I'm a fan of it. You know, I'm more of a fan than I am. I don't really like boxing. I don't like, I don't like that I box. You know, I don't know if that makes sense, but you know, I'm just good at it, and I'm not gonna take it for granted. You know, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, um, you know, half step. You know, I'm never gonna come into a fight. I'm never gonna take a fight or come into a fight if I'm not in shape because I don't like the sport. You know, I don't, I don't appreciate, you know, someone putting their hands on me. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it pays me well, and, you know, it's taking care of my family for now. You know, and I'm, and I'm going to leave a world champion. I'm going to leave undefeated. I'm going to leave all of these things, you know, and I'm going to leave it soon. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to stay in this sport for too long. And, um, yeah, it's just, I, I'm, I'm a fan, but I, but I just don't like, I don't really like doing it, you know? I yeah, wish I could boxing. just be a fan and take part in it. <laughs> yeah, boxing definitely is one of those sports where, you know, the promoters and the trainers are almost 
like a conveyor belt. Loads of fighters come through, come through, come through with the same promoter or the same trainer. The boxing career is never really a long one. You know what I'm saying? It, it is just a short career. So enjoy it, enjoy it whilst it lasts. Um, so if I was to fire a few names at you from the heavyweight division, would you be able to, I'll only ask you about the top guys, but would you be able to possibly provide um, an opinion on them, just maybe just in one short sentence, if I reel off about six or seven names at you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, so your thoughts on, well, Tyson Fury to start with. So so do you want, do you want like, Honest yeah, just, truth or... yeah, yeah, honest truth. We love that on this show. So yeah, just give just give um yeah, just give an opinion. You know, you can say good fighter, bad fighter, you know, decent at using his size, whatever you like. Yeah. Okay, well Tyson Fury, you know, he does have the height, you know, so I, I know how it is being being that I've I've sparred and stuff with guys that were taller than me or had more reach than me, and it, and it's very difficult to you know, just get in, especially if he's moving around, you know, to be elusive and get around and move and, and, and move your legs um, and be that tall. It's it's harder than than it looks. You know, it may be harder than it looks. So, I, so I'm not going to just, you know, say that he's not a good fighter because, you know, on the outside it would look a different way and, until you get inside and then you say, okay, no, this guy's, you, you can't hardly get to him. You know what I mean? You can't get to his head or whatever. I know how to get to these guys. You know, I'm, I know my, my little secrets and my little things to, to, to do. But, I mean, it, it's difficult. You know, with a guy that, he's they're real tall when he moves, you know? I'm going to fire a few more names at you. Alexander Povetkin. Alexander Povetkin is a good fighter. Good technical fighter. You know, keeps his hands up, brings the hook back after every combination. He's a good fighter. Deontay Wilder. Deontay Wilder, good fighter. Um, he's, you know, everybody thought that he, you know, that he would crack or fold when he got in there with someone like kind of real or something. So, you know, he's he's proven himself. You know, he, he the last fight was real tough, but you know, he he, he came out victorious. He, he's a good fighter. Kubrat Pulev. Pulev. Uh, um, not nah. Not a good fighter, I don't think. He he doesn't he doesn't if you if you don't got power in the heavyweight division, I don't I don't really consider you a good fighter. Because when you come across somebody with power, it's gonna be a bad night for you. Like it, it really does matter in the heavyweight division. Power overrides skill. Okay. Um Malik Scott. Um, he he's a sharp fighter. You know, he's sharp. I'm not I'm not gonna say he's he's a great fighter, but um you know he he can handle his own in there. He definitely he definitely can handle his own. But he's not he's not like a world beater. Eddie Chambers, um, a little heavyweight. He's a, he's a little little heavyweight, but you know he he got he got he he's real crafty. He's a, he's a he's a crafty type of fighter. You know, good good skills. You know he's he's fast. See, he does he does have good hand speed. So that that matters. That plays a factor. Lucas Brown. Lucas Brown. I mean, I haven't really seen too much of Lucas Brown, but what I, from what I have seen, he he had a hard time with James Tony. So I'm not, I'm not gonna I'm gonna say he's a he's a bad fighter. Because <laughs> he, he, he had, I think he got knocked down by by like James Tony, and James Tony's like washed up and old. He shouldn't even be a heavyweight. He's old. <laughs> I mean, he had a hard time with James. Tony. Um, the last one I'll ask you. In fact, I've got two more. Um, Bryant Jennings. Anthony Joshua. 
Yeah, oh, I'll, Brian, I'll to, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave Joshua last. Let's just ask you a couple okay. more before that. Um, yeah, Brian Jennings. Um, Brian Jennings is not a good fighter because he stands in front of guys. He doesn't know how. He's not really like slick, so he just kind of puts his guard up and then high and then kind of absorbs the shots with his with the gloves and his and his arms, but. You know, if you got power, you just y'all pound through that shit, man. I'll break it. Down. I've been saying that. I've been wanting to fight Brian Jennings, and then he talked all that smack about southpaws and how he can beat southpaws, and then he gets knocked out by southpaw. So, um, yeah, I, I I say he's a bad fighter. He's not good enough. On this show, we actually like we review the fights from last weekend, and we preview the fights coming up this weekend. So, on this show that that you're going to be on, we actually did uh, review his fight, and I actually feel that Bryant Jennings really does struggle with southpaws. Again, even with Mike Perez, who I think, you know, he's, he's almost always out of shape, very lazy, and he gave a lot of problems right. to Jennings. Right, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. He, You know, his style is, you know, he kind of sits there and he wants to absorb the shots on his gloves. But, I mean, if, you, if, you're, if you're a puncher, Mike Perez isn't really a puncher. If you're a puncher, you're going to punch, I'll punch through that. You know, I'll knock him down. I'll hit him so hard with his guards that I'll knock him on his butt. You know, it gets it gets it gets heavy in there, man. It gets hard in there. I know it. <laughs> okay, now last but not least, fifteen and O now with fifteen knockouts. Recently defeated Dillian White, Anthony Joshua. Oh yeah, Anthony Joshua's a good fighter, man. He um, you know, that's gonna be a super fight. You know, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna make. Ten million dollars when we fight. <laughs> that's a fight that you want in the future. That's gonna, yeah, definitely, definitely, man. Because you know, in order to be considered the best, you gotta fight the best. How, how would how would we look if we both went out of the heavyweight division and just and saying that we never fought each other, we never you know into the ring with each other, and and those are and we're two names that are ringing in the heavyweight division. You know that wouldn't that wouldn't that would be crazy. If me and Deontay Wilder never fought, that would be crazy. If, if Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder never fought, that'd be crazy. You know, that that's stupid. There's only a handful of great heavyweights in every era. And those those are money fights. Those are big money fights. You know, you put a lot of hype behind those fights. And you make those fights happen, you know, when, when all eyes are on those fighters. And that generates, you know, money. And that's what we're in this sport to, to generate, dollar sign. Now, the last thing I'm going to ask you before I let you go, I ask this to all fighters from the States. What is your favorite UK fighter, past or present, out of history, your your number one favorite UK fighter in history. Honestly, I've got a feeling you're going to say one that we haven't had so far from everyone I've spoke to in the states. <laughs> the, the, you, you think you think I'm you think I'm going to say you, you already know who I'm going to say? <laughs> no, 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 I don't. I, don't. I, mean, I think you're going to say I mean, someone he, that we haven't had yet. I mean, he's he's bomb, but. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm more on myself so much, but I, I'm gonna say Lennox Lewis. Okay, that is yeah. a first we've you know, had. Every, every everybody everybody always says I'm like a left-handed Lennox Lewis and all that stuff. So I kind of be like, nah, no, nah, you know, I'm 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 more on myself. You know, I'm I'm all I'm all I'm me. You know, I'm not I'm not like trying to be like Lennox Lewis. I'm not Lennox Lewis. You know, I'm Charles Martin. I'm Prince Charles Martin. So. But That's I'll it. say from, from the history, he's he's great, man. I love I love Lennox Lewis, man. He's a beast, man. You know, he's a big puncher. You know, 
I love I love guys that they got power. You know, that's 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 what this division's all about, man. If you if you're a little heavyweight in, in the division and you're you're just getting by, you know, that's one thing about Glasgow. You know, he's he's just getting by. He's going to decisions. You know, you ain't you ain't dropping nobody. You ain't knocking people out. You ain't you ain't wreaking havoc in the fucking heavyweight division. So, I mean, I don't really look at you as much. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna focus on the task at hand, keep my keep my own guards up, you know, and keep my antennas up, but I'm gonna smash Glasgow on January sixteenth. Um I will just say that most people go for Prince Nassim Hamid. Oh yeah, he was a beast too. But but like I said, I'm, I'm yeah he, he yeah he was crazy. He Don't was start changing crazy. your mind now. <laughs> he was yeah you're right because I, I forgot about him. He, he was insane, bro. The little <laughs> Prince Nassim was insane. Yeah man, yeah definitely, definitely. Excellent. Okay, Charles. Well, I wish you the best of luck on January the 16th. Speaking to you, you're very confident. You probably don't need much luck, but. Yeah, hopefully someone goes in there and this time doesn't get, you know, a dodgy decision gone against them against Glasgow. So hopefully you do get the knockout and hopefully the next time we speak, we'll be speaking to the new IBF heavyweight champion of the world, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm in. Thank you very much, brother. Best of luck. Okay, thank you. Have a great day. Okay, now it's time for guest number four on this festive cracker of a show. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome 2015 WBC World Heavyweight title challenger, Mr. Eric Molina. Eric, welcome to the show. Oh, hello, guys. Uh, Thanks for having me on. No problem whatsoever. No problem. I just want to ask, the first question I want to ask you, Eric, what inspired you to get into boxing? Well, I mean... A lot of people don't know around the world. Uh, uh, I started boxing when I was years old. I've been in the game for a little over nine years, and uh, I walking in and seeing some professionals, some local professionals hitting the bag and stuff. And I was instantly captured with the science of of the movement and, and, and trying to learn different punches and stuff. So I had no amateur experience. I learned what I could around here, and and I'm actually I live on the border of the United States and Mexico, and I I am a Mexican, so there's not too many big Mexicans around the border. So a heavyweight from the area that I'm from is is is, is, is to find sparring and work. So I mean it's definitely been a, a very challenging career. So so. Because it just cut out at the start when I asked you that question. I couldn't hear what age you said you started boxing. What age was that? Yeah, I started boxing when I was 23 years old. Wow. I'd been in the game a little bit, about 9, 10 years, and uh, had no amateur experience. And uh, I'm still learning. Every, every, every day I'm learning. Every fight I learned. And uh, that's what a lot of people around the world, a lot of fighters, a lot of writers don't understand that part about me is that every day I learn. Every fight, every loss, I learn. I move forward. Uh, some some people want to write me off with some losses, and uh, they don't understand that I take those losses and move forward and become a better fighter. The wilder fight is going to make me even more, it's going to make me even more dangerous of a fighter. I do want to so, ask you a couple of questions about that. Um, Firstly, I just want to say, did you catch the Chris Ariola travis Kaufman fight? 
I sure did. Yeah, I did. It was in Texas. It was about a couple hours. It was about two hours from my hometown. Yeah, because we had Travis on the show last week. What did you think of that fight? Because a lot of people thought it was very close. Travis himself, he didn't criticize the judges or anything. He said at the end of the day, you know, I'm a boxer, I'm not a judge. But he felt he won. How did you see that fight when it come down to the decision, Eric? Well, very easy. I think Huffman won. In my opinion, I think that Ariola has lost five in a row. Um, I, I think that he's a very protected fighter. I think that when he gets a, a, a judge, when he gets judges on border counts from Mexico and, and America to cite his way, him being the Mexican local uh, attraction, and he has to win majority decisions, obviously he lost the fight, hands down. You know what I mean? I, I mean, I, I don't see at any point against the Cuffman fight where Ariola won the fight. I, I, I never saw him winning. Uh, a point where I could say that he won the fight. Cuffman did more than what he had to do to win the fight. So that was my opinion. So, And that very heavy knockdown as well, of course. Now, there's a fight yeah. coming up in January. We had Charles Martin on the show earlier on in this show. So um, you're the guest after him. He was the third guest. You're the fourth guest this week. So how do you see that fight playing out, um, Charles Martin against Glaskov? Well, I, Charles Martin is, is a good friend of mine. I've met him and hung out with him a couple times. That the Glaskov and Charles Martin fight could go either way. I, I think that uh, Glaskov has had problems with tall, lanky fighters. Charles Martin is a tall, lanky fighter. And what, what gives him the advantage, I feel, is that he's coming with a left-hander stance. I think it's very hard for Glaskov already to fight a regular orthodox tall fighter. Now he's got to fight an re- uh, orthodox left-handed southpaw. Now, the only thing about that is now you have to have Charles Martin do something that I don't know that he can do well, is box. His use is is, uh, length to use his uh, distance against a smaller Glasgow. If he can do that, he could win this fight easy. Because in my opinion, this is is one of the first fights that Martin's going to be in. You know, I'm not saying that he can't win or he can't, but this is one of his, this is going to be his first real fights that he's going to get into. So, you know, he's definitely going to have to fight smart and, and, but it's a very winnable fight. I feel for, for Martin. And, uh, you know, I, I wish him nothing but the best, nothing but luck. And also you, again, like I said earlier, you challenged for the WBC heavyweight strap this year against Deontay Wilder. Nobody gave you a chance going into this fight. Right. However, once the fight was taking place, when you got you know, you know, got into the fight, you got in your groove, you managed to hurt Wilder. A lot of people didn't see that one coming. Even me, myself, I didn't see that one coming. I saw yeah. he, he didn't really know what to do. What is it like fighting this guy? Because a lot of people knock him. A lot of people say he's not, you know, he's, he's, not, he's not very talented. A lot of people say he gets, he gets quite lucky. He cherry-picks opponents. What is yeah. it like fighting him? Is he a talented fighter, in your opinion? Is he good? Is he bad? What do you think? A lot of people criticize Wilder for his fight with me because a lot of people think I'm that same guy that Ariola beat in one round. They don't realize that the Ariola beat a guy with no sparring, 20-day notice, cruiserweight, no experience, no mental focus, no nothing, put in under, under the lights against the Sharks. He beat a scared cruiserweight is what Ariola did. After that fight, I've, I've been in so many rounds with heavyweights. I've hurt many heavyweights in sparring 
I have, I've become a veteran in the game. I've been in bigger fights. I've been on Showtime. I've learned how to fight and I'm still learning how to fight. I've hurt sparring partners with big names in the heavyweight division. The world doesn't know that. I'm not one to get on any social media or throw names out, but there has not been one heavyweight in the past two, three years that I get in the ring with that just run, runs over me. I, and I knew that all the experience that I had that I had been uh, uh, through, the guys that I've been in hurt with, and the guys that I've done easy work against, and I stood there in front of everybody saying, you're a 50 to 1 underdog. And I said, and I said at the press conference, don't be surprised when I hurt this guy. I've hurt every single person I've ever been in the ring with. Don't be surprised when I hurt this guy. Everybody, oh, you're all oh, this and that. I give you one round. Well, that's fine. I didn't got, I did I knew the experience that I brought to the table and that I'm still getting on the table. I'm here in camp with, with Glasgow, with, uh, what's his name? Spielka. You know, and I've never been in the ring with the, with the top 10 softball, you know, and, 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 and nobody runs through me. I'm that guy. Nobody's going to run through me. Nobody's going to have an easy day with me. I'm learning. I'm getting better every day and I'm strong. I could punch and I'm, and I'm becoming smarter in the ring. So that's what I bring to the table. And, 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 uh, I feel like the Wilder fight, I was extremely confident. I was, it, no matter what I read, I, I knew that there was flaws in his, his game. But one thing I'll say about Wilder is that he felt certain punches that I brought to the fight, and he was able to adapt and not get hit by those punches. And I'll give him that. Wilder's a lot smarter than, than, than a lot of people make him out to be. Do you feel that you're, it seems a bit of a silly question to ask now, but do you feel that you are underrated? and overlooked in the heavyweight division, Eric? Definitely. I use that to my advantage. I don't post nothing on my social media. I don't post none of my sparring sessions. I don't post none of the work that, that I do. I don't, I don't got to talk. I, I don't got to do anything. I, I, but I'm telling you right now, I'm that fighter that a lot of fighters want to avoid because I'm awkward because I use my mind first and I'm learning how to use my mind even more. And I bring size to the table. I bring heart to the table. And I could hurt you with one punch at any given time. I heard, I heard Wilder with a left hook that I never worked on. I never worked on my left hook. And I didn't even have a left hook. So, you, you know, now I'm working on that. Now I'm working on sharpening up my skills and, 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 and bringing my weight down a little bit. So 2016, I, I, they could continue to, to, to peg me as, as, uh, as uh, whoever they want to peg me as but they'll continue to see that I'll be that fighter that nobody's going to run over. And of course, the outcome of that fight between you and Wilder didn't go in your favor. Um, do you think that if you was in possibly tougher tests before that, because I know the fight before that you fought an eight-rounder and the fight before that was a, was a six-rounder, right. um, do you think if you was in there with perhaps better opposition, you would have had a better chance to win that? Well, you know what? Looking back at that, I don't really put that on the table. But I will say this, because I know a lot of the, the fans in England watch, my, watch the fights. Look at the Wilder fight. And one, one, I'm not giving this as an excuse. This is what I take with me. I have four weeks to prepare for a six foot seven guy. I spent four of those days uh, dehydrated. I didn't drink enough water and the amount of training that I was trying to push out. Got dehydrated. I lost four days. We had the worst last week of, of camp down in Alabama, his backyard, where everything was all crazy for us. 
Now, now look at the first time he knocks me down. I fight five rounds after that with a hairline fracture on my ankle, my left ankle. Look at it in slow motion. You'll see my, my whole body sitting over my left ankle, twisted. It's barely recovering right now. I went five rounds with him and still won some of those rounds with one ankle. So I got all that in my back pocket, in my back pocket. People don't got to believe me. They don't got to agree or disagree. But I got all that in my back pocket. So whoever they bring me next, I got so much confidence. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter who they bring, how hard they hit, what they can do. I did what I did against Wilder. People say, oh, well, Wilder looks so bad. Well, shit, I fought the fight with one, I fought five rounds with one, with one ankle. You know what I mean? That's, that's, that's the truth. And go back and look, look at the replay. Look, look yeah. at it slowly when he knocks me down. But Wilder is a great fighter. He's a good fighter. And a lot, I think the problem with, with the critics is they, they, they judge me on one fight. And they're, they're going to slowly realize, well, wait a minute, this guy, you know, he is that special fighter that could come back learn and move forward because not every fighter can do that yeah i think that that's something that you should be given credit for you know i know that you don't want to say that's an excuse of course you're not saying that whatsoever but as you said you did have the one ankle and with someone who hits as hard as wilder because no one can dispute the fact he's a hard hitting heavyweight you didn't really you wasn't really on your bike you did sort of stand there and take it to him it was you know you wasn't on the back foot the whole time sort of running away keeping it long or anything like that you was there to fight um i want to move over now to well, the big, the biggest thing that's happened in the heavyweight division at the moment, Tyson Fury dethroning Vladimir Klitschko. Firstly, I wanted to get your take on that. How do you, do you think this is good for boxing that Klitschko has been dethroned? Man, I think it's actually the best thing for boxing in the heavyweight division. Now we're splitting up all the belts. Now we're having world title fights. Um, I'm a fan of Tyson Fury and Peter Fury and, and, and the Furies out there. I like what they're doing. I, I keep up with him on, on, on Twitter, and and uh, I, I don't think Tyson has had the easy easy route to where he's at. You know, there's definitely some things that some controversial things that he brings to the table, but I, I, that's that that's not what I judge him on. I, I like the fighter he is. Um, I kind of feel like Klitschko. You know, um, it's like I said, I I had a, a radio show from from England call me. They said, "What do you think of the fight?" I think, and I said, "Well, you know what." This is going to be Klitschko's toughest fight. When you fight a taller guy, everything changes. Everything changes. The timing, things that you're used to getting away with, uh, uh, your rhythm, your balance, everything changes. How is, how is he going to adapt to fighting a skilled, taller fighter who's got, you know, you can say what you want about Tyson Fury, but he's got great reflexes, and, he, and he's, got, he's, got, he's got good uh, sense of, a balance as far as you know when he when he feels pressure and he he i thought that was the difference in that fight and i and then there's the factor of Klitschko. you know he's getting older also so obviously Klitschko. it wasn't that he didn't throw punches well yeah obviously he didn't throw punches but he wasn't able to position himself to let his hands go he was never comfortable enough in the correct distance to let those punches go against a a, a taller passing fury yeah, he did seem to struggle in there. Um, what's your views yeah. now on Tyson Fury? Well, the IBF stripping Tyson Fury. Well, you know what? I, I mean, you have you have a mandatory there that's been waiting for a long time. I, I, I mean, it's a tough spot. 
I personally feel that, in my opinion, I know that there's contracts and stuff, but I feel like whenever it's a world title and you're fighting your mandatory, I don't feel like there should be a, a part in the contract that says that you're obligated to rematch this person. But those are contracts, and, and that's the legal part of it. You know, I feel that if you're the number one contender and you beat the champion, I, 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 I mean, the right thing is, is, hey, you know what, that the, guy, the champion who lost, he's got to find his way back. It's not, hey, well, just in case I lose, well, you gotta, you gotta give me a rematch right away. So, I don't agree with that, but it is what it is. Those are legal, those are legal parts that the idea and both parties have to uh, do by, and it's a tough spot for all parties. And you know, they did the right legal thing. But I mean, now, now here in the states, we got a card on Showtime with two world heavyweight fights. I mean, how great is that for the heavyweight division? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like I say, uh, yeah, we did have Charles Martin on. He was talking all about that fight. But um, have you paid any attention to Anthony Joshua so far? Of course. Of course I have. Yeah, I saw the Dylan White fight. Um, I feel like, I, I, I honestly feel like what he what he's saying, you know, give him, you know, about 18 months. And if he could continue to make the correct uh, adjustments and move forward with his career, he can be a great fighter. I feel I feel like this, and only for personally, um, I think that he does need to. Uh, when I see him fight, he's got all the attributes. He's got the size. He's got strength. He's got uh, uh, ability, athletic. He's athletic. Uh, he's got the pedigree. He's, he's an amateur. But there's one thing that he's going to have to learn how to use if he wants to be great, and that's his mind. Because if he can use his mind a little more, Dylan White should not be able to hit him, to touch him. If he can use his mind in the ring and figure out how to use all his attributes in the ring, then the guy's going to be unstoppable. But the X factor in him is, is, is the mental level, the, uh, using his mind. I feel like he's, he's a little weak there. He relies on his strength and his size more than his mind. I don't know if that makes sense to you guys, but a fighter that could go in and use his mind, adapt, adjust to his fighter's weaknesses and strength and to his weaknesses and strength and mix them together is going to be a really, really special fighter. If he can learn how to do that with time, then, then he could be a very, very special fighter. I was going to ask you, what's next for you? And what would be your wish list for 2016? So if I just oh, throw them wow. in as one question. I know it's a bit of a oh, big man, one. That's... That's a that's a wonderful question there. Uh, when I fought Deontay Wilder, he said, "Look, man, you come in, give us a great fight, and when you and whatever happens, we'll, we'll bring you back on the network." I delivered that, at least that. So I've been I've been injured with my ankle. I've been I've been a little uh, healing my hairline fracture of an ankle, but I'm ready for 2016. And I've given him a call and I said, "Hey, bro, any any one of your fighters, it doesn't matter who. There's nothing personal with none of them. I'm ready to go. I'm, re I'm ready to." create excitement, exciting fights. And that route has, has been on the table. And, and another route is Peter Fury has messaged me on Twitter asking me what I think about Huey Fury. And I think that's a great fight also. I, I think me and Huey Fury, I feel like he needs to step up. And I feel like I can be that guy to really test Huey Fury to see where he's at. I got nothing against him and the Furies. I think not the world of them. But I, I, I want to be in exciting fights. That's what it's all about. Um, my wish list, my wish list, I want the Areola rematch. I want to prove to the world that I'm the biggest, baddest Mexican in the world, in the heavyweight division. It ain't him. It's me. That's number one. Always number one. I want that rematch. And, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't really have like any Al Heyman fighter. I mean, he's taking over the network, PBC, any PBC heavyweight. I want to be in the spotlight. I want to be in the big fights. 
I want to bring action to the big fights. And any and you know what? It's always been a dream of mine to go fight in England. I have nothing n- nothing against a fight with Huey Fury. Uh, any any heavyweight fight, uh, exciting fight in England. You know, I think that England and the USA right now in the heavyweight division, it's getting really good right now. So I mean, to be a part of either 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 big fight in either country would be it would be more than than a wish list for me. Yeah, that would be good. Uh, like I say, uh, the UK fans are very hardcore boxing fans. So uh, you know, it'd be brilliant to see you over here fighting one of our prospects. I'm sure you get a lot of support. Yeah. Um, the last, last thing I want to ask you now, I ask everybody that I interview from the States this same question. Who is your favorite, past or present, it doesn't matter, your favorite overall, any weight category, UK fighter of all time? Favorite UK would have to be Prince. Prince yes. Nassim. Yes. Uh, he was a character, man. Him and, and the tall heavyweight that just retired about 10 years ago. Man, I'm bad with names. I'm really bad with names. The, the Lennox Lewis. Do you know what? That is exactly the same. Your answers are exactly the same as what Charles Martin told me earlier. Yeah, those two guys are characters, man. And, and there's one thing that, that, that if I could add this here at the end to all the people down in England is that I'm a Mexican. And for many years, Mexicans have carried the sport of boxing. And it's one, one thing that I tell my friends and family here. I said, hey, hold on. These people in England are way bigger fans than, than, than the Mexican fan base. I said, these guys overseas know everything about heavyweights. I'm telling you, I'll be floating around Las Vegas. And it never feels I get I get some England fans come up to me and they know everything about the division, the heavyweights. They're very passionate fans. Would be, it would be a dream come true to, to head out there and fight in, in a big fight. But you guys are very passionate fans out there and I could appreciate that uh, for all the people down in England and, and uh, so yeah. Thank you very much. I'll speak on behalf of the UK fans and we'll say that we're proud to be acknowledged by, by yourself, Eric. Thanks for having me on the show. It was, it was good, good talking with you guys. No problem. Um, do you want to, just before you go, do you want to tell anybody that's listening your Twitter page so they can follow your career? Yeah, um, they could find me at PDB Boxing on Twitter, uh, PDB Boxing on Instagram, and, and uh, um, yeah, that's where I'm at. Even I think I might have some room on my Facebook also. So, um, you know, I'm always trying to keep up with, with some things. Right now, like I said, I'm, I'm in the camp with, uh, I'm actually the chief sparring for, uh, what's his name, uh, that's fighting Wilder. He's fighting Wilder. Spilka. Uh, so yeah, I've got been getting rounds with him and getting him ready. So you know, I'm just trying to stay around the scene and ready to step up whenever I can. And that's that's how you can keep up with me. That's it. Okay, it's been an absolute pleasure interviewing you, sir. I wish you a happy Christmas, a happy New Year, and most importantly, a happy career in 2016, sir. All right, I wish you nothing but the same. Thank you for everything. Thanks for having me. Okay, now it's time to conclude episode 14 of the Box Hard podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. We did say that we'd bring on a couple of juicy guests this week, and I hope in your eyes that we've delivered. It was certainly you know, a real pleasure of mine to bring the show to you guys this week. Thank you very much to Ayaz Sumra. Thank you very much to Sophia Di Stefano. We spoke to massive prospect for the future and sparkling amateur Andrew Selby. We also spoke to his brother and the current IBF featherweight champion, Lee Selby. We then spoke to world title challenger for this year, Eric Molina. And we also spoke to world title challenger for next year, Mr. Charles Martin. So a couple of champions on this show. 
just what we wanted to do for Christmas. So I wish all our listeners a very Merry Christmas and a very Happy New Year. Also, we will be back with a show in January. Watch out for that on Twitter. There'll be a show probably just before the David Hay fight, maybe even a week earlier. We'll let you guys know via social media. Again, I was going to ask Ayaz to sing everybody a happy Christmas, but he actually turned me down. So sorry that you couldn't hear that. But then again, you could be thanking me that you didn't have to hear that. It is what it is. Thank you very much for listening this far once again on the Box Hard Podcast. We'll be back with another great show in the new year. Please like, please share, please comment, please subscribe, please follow. And we will see you in the new year. Until then. Take care.